Hi everyone. We're back and running with a brand new season. <laughs> Woo! What will we uh what will we be talking about today? I don't know. What are we talking about today, people? Well, today we're talking about the philosophy called Confucianism and how it affects the people and the culture of Korea. Well, Confucianism values are like quite the hot stuff nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically the reason why the world word like gonde exists. Like for your information, the word gonde is kind of like the equivalent word to boomer in English. So, FYI, and Dana, back to you. So today we're going to be talking about this, and let's dig into the episode. Now, about Confucianism, Santino, uh, what is Confucianism? I guess we have to like explain it to our listeners, listeners first. Okay, so before we talk about Confucianism, we need to get this clear. Confucianism can be very, very different depending on the era or the country and the philosophers themselves. So it could be very confusing and different from what you guys will know as this podcast will be heard around the world. So put that in mind before we start our podcast. But um, the Confucianism that we're going to talk about today is mainly about, um, I have no idea how to say this in English, but it's, um, I believe it's called Neo-Confucianism. Yeah, yeah that Korean. is called Songryak in Korean. Well, can I explain a bit about the history of Songryak? Well, Dana will yeah talk about like the entirety of the history of Confucianism in Korea, but I just want to dive a little bit into Neo-Confucianism because it's the most important part of Confucianism that affects Korea at the moment. Um, Neo-Confucianism is like, I guess, a branch of Confucianism that comes from China, actually, like Confucianism does. Um, let me dive a little bit deeper into Neo-Confucianism. So Confucianism was adopted into Korea naturally, along with the spread of Chinese characters. Dana will explain more about this. Do you want to say something? After you, after you okay. and your explanation. So even though Confucianism wasn't really important to Korean culture in its beginning stages, the Joseon dynasty decided to adopt Confucianism as its like main revolving system. So the Joseon dynasty had a really, really close relationship with Confucianism, and the country was just built around it. Um, Neo-Confucianism was created during the Song Dynasty in China, and it was actually created because Buddhism was growing too large in China. Um, so as many of you guys may know, Buddhism is actually Indian. It originates in India, and because of that, the Chinese thought it was foreign, and some of them really didn't like the idea of China revolving around like a foreign religion. Similarly in Korea, the dynasty before Joseon called Goryeo, uh, which is the origin of the word Korea, was a country that was built around Buddhism, which is why a lot of the people who studied Confucianism in Korea really liked the idea of having um, a Neo-Confucianism root that was based in China instead of India. And the people who studied um, Neo-Confucianism were very big fans of Chuhi, who created Neo-Confucianism. He, like, Chui was a guy who literally criticized Buddhism so badly, he like roasted them, and like the people in Korea were huge fans. 
Um, and Lee Sung-gye is the person who founded Joseon. Um, and a lot of these Neo-Confucianists happen to be supporters of this person. Um, Joseon was a country that was made through a coup because Lee Sung-gye and his troops were like ordered to fight. But then he, I guess, turned around and attacked the kingdom instead, which is probably the polar opposite of what they intended to do. Um, and because of Joseon's Neo-Confucianism-based government and ideologies that lasted for the entirety of its ex existence, Neo-Confucianism basically transformed further within the Korean Peninsula, and it make, made like a really unique society that still affects us, the people living in Korea, to this day. After all, it hasn't been very long since the Joseon dynasty was felled. I mean, Olivia's explanation was enough, but I have a little more prepared um, providing you guys with more um, examples that are related to Korea about Confucianism. So going back to when Confucianism came into South Korea. Confucianism came into South Korea before the era of three kingdoms, known as Goguryeo, Baekje, and Silla, but was only used to decipher old documents or for diplomatic purposes. In Silla, Seonbis, um, which are basically people who work in the palace or yeah. who have like a great, who have passed a yeah, test called Kwago, yeah. yeah. And they're like these prestigious people yeah, and yeah, yeah. Korea Aristocrats. basically love them. Um, so in Silla, these Sunbis with wealthy or prestigious backgrounds and highly educated students of uh, Kukak usually studied Confucianism in order to go to China and pass a particular kind of exam, Bingongkwa, because they could use the record that they passed that exam to become, a, become an aristocrat and work at the palace. And when did Confucianism start to flourish? It was not until the Chosen Dynasty that um, Confucianism began to substantially affect the political environment of South Korea. During the Goryeo dynasty, Confucianism made its way to dominating the country by holding an annual standardized test called Kwago to evaluate students' knowledge on Confucianism. Choi Chung also built nine schools dedicated to studying Confucianism called Kuje. There were Hyangyos too, a type of school teaching Confucianism to students in rural areas or the outskirts of the nation. Confucianism was the nation's ideology by the time the Joseon dynasty ruled. In the beginning of the Joseon dynasty, kings placed Hyangyos rural schools that teach Confucianism in every block of every province in the entire country. However, Confucianism was only used for political reasons. For example, kings read to become a better king. Every aristocrat had to learn Confucianism, but mainly for palace duty. As time went by, the Chosen Dynasty was in its Middle Ages, and there was a growing conflict between two clans differing in the way they interpreted Confucianism. With each purporting that the other is wrong, this conflict never seemed to end. At its peak, the conflict led to four tragic, bloody happenings where one party won the conflict and quote-unquote got rid of the other party to dominate the palace. Confucianism finally started to wane as Joseon became more modernized. Today, Confucianism is hardly seen as the predominant ideology of South Korea. Well, um, yeah, like, before we like move on to like the controversy regarding Confucianism and also like the problems it has in like the current 21st century, well, let me get this straight. Well, Confu Confucianism, like in its essence, prioritizes values such as harmony, family, and loyalty. So even though we are kind of like have like the basic mood of like criticizing com uh, Confucianism and its like dark sides in the 21st century, well, we uh, would like to inform you that it is actually a very uh, a philosophy, philosophy with a very good heart overall. Well, these values are represented by what we call the five consonants, which is the fundamental, the principle to the theory of Confucianism. 
Now, these include uh, humaneness, justice, rights, knowledge, and faithfulness. Like, these five concerns and values are the core prioritized values that the philosophy of, of Confucianism urges all people to have. And by the way, there are also other numerous core values, the mo most important ones being loyalty to one's king or lord, a moral compass or self-righteousness, and, uh, and filial piety. Well, some of these, uh, let's be honest, didn't age well, especially in the 21st century. But once again, don't get me wrong. The philosophy itself is based on the belief that human beings are born good in nature and wills to guide its followers to live an altruistic, giving, forgiving lives overall. There is a lot of rhetoric regarding Confucianism too, hence the reason why it's one of the most major oriental philosophies, religion, whatever you call it, beside Taoism and Buddhism, as Olivia has previously mentioned. Well, there isn't a uh, problem with the belief and the philosophy itself, but we have observed pretty much problems going on within like the 21st century and quite a lot of controversies surrounding this concept called Confucianism. And are there any uh, pe uh, people here like willing to speak about it and have, uh, have a little discussion about what controversy in the modern world Confucianism is bringing up? Um, well, I have something to say, certainly, because I thought before I was preparing for this episode, I actually thought that Confucianism was really useless in Korean society. How about you? How do you guys think about that? Well, I feel like Confucianism, like while some parts of it seem really outdated, like in its essence, like it's not like it can't be considered useless because um, the truth is, a country was built around it and survived for quite a long time. So, what I got to know while re researching about Confucianism is that Confucianism, in its essence, has nothing wrong with it. And the way it has progressed to um, be applied into our society was what became the problem. Mm, definitely. Yeah, so people, Confucianism might seem overly inflexible and dependent on rules a little too much. For example, you guys know how... Um, you guys know the Pyeongjahoran, right? Um, yeah, I'm I've, familiar with it. About our listeners may not be familiar, so could you play, uh, explain like a little bit about what it is? Yeah, the Pyeongjahoran is um, when the Qing dynasty attacked Joseon because we continued to serve the Ming dynasty, which was waning in power and in hostile relations with the Qing. And we were serving the Ming dynasty because, according to Confucianism, we have to serve the uh, superior country of right. our country. And we weren't able to get rid of that um, ideology. And so we were just sticking on to Ming dynasty, which was failing in power. And like I said, Confucianism, uh, especially Neo-Confucianism, was really developed because of like uh, to build that China-centric um, ideology. And because of it, uh, everyone believed, even in Korea, believed that the world revolved around China, which meant that the current power um, in China, which was the Ming Dynasty, had to be upheld by the Koreans. But the truth is that if it weren't for Confucianism, we wouldn't have been attacked by the Qing Dynasty Definitely. because we di we wouldn't be serving Ming Dynasty so um, fervently. So um, like this, there were times when um, Confucianism made uh, Chosun made some stupid or like inflexible decisions based on um, Confucianism. Right. But still, Confucianism was very important in our society because Confucianism didn't initially start out like this. Like start out by like being a very inflexible, rigid, and um, deemed useless by every people. So 
I believe the reason Confucianism is portrayed as a hindrance to society's growth is because it is distorted. Like, think about the true messages of Confucianism. The core lesson of Confucius, uh, the core lesson Confucius aims to deliver through all of his sayings is um, in, which means the mind of loving other people. Confucius believed that rather, rather than trying to manipulate others and measuring everything when it comes to relationships, people should begin every relationship with the love and respect towards the person you are bonding with. And that is why Confucianism accentuated manners so much. The love towards your ancestors, families, teachers, and upperclassmen is what starts a truly meaningful relationship. That was the reason why our ancestor adhered to the ideology, because it was such a heartwarming way to treat others and maintain society, not because they were a bunch of dum-dums. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, I also think that it teaches us, us the lesson while like philosophies of uh, following philosophies itself and following the uh, beliefs itself of a certain philosophy is certainly good because in this case confucianism is also about like the betterment of all human beings and like the altruism right. the giving but however one should not be like too like uh focused and like too focused on following every rules that the philosophy uh, like tends you to su suggest everybody to follow if in that case because like a philosophy is not perfect and, and it, it can philosophies can be very like um philosophies can be very you know uh restrictive in certain very like certain uh areas especially in certain areas such as like women rights and also uh, other parts of the society which are very valuable to us right now in the 21st century my belief and this lesson what teaches us is that although believing the philosophy itself is okay uh being too focused on following every part like integrating every part of the rules into the society can be a little bit overboard like right and that yeah. should be up to individuals to decide for themselves not imposed by like a whole country like korea or china did um kind of like a uh, um, fun historical background about um qing dynasty's invasion there was like a really big conflict or like a debate between um should I call them vassals in the, what do you call it? Um, Namhan Fortress, should I call it? Um, so there was like, a, when the Qing dynasty um, swarmed into Korea, um, we had very little time to like fight back or we had very, very um, little power to fight back actually. So our king was actually like stuck in the Namhan Fortress and they were just fighting and fighting and just right for about like 47 days and like yeah resources were almost like all depleted yeah and in that situation it, the moderate type of vassals so the vassals that do not really follow um a Confuci confucianism by heart they suggested the king to like surrender to the emperor of the Qing dynasty but um the the very important part is um, the radical type of vassals actually demanded to fight till death to um, Qing. They called they actually called the Qing barbarians because right yeah they did because they um, kind of attacked the Ming dynasty which there was serving as a king or like a father. So they called Qing barbarians and they called it very very unworthy to just surrender and give up. So. This is, I believe this is, this um, historical event shows kind of like the negative part of um, radical neo 
uh, Confuci Confucianism. So yeah, I think this is a very um, interesting historical Histor event to mention. Yeah, and also like in conclusion, like to top it all off, like in the 21st century, due to like the very rapid um, rate of development that Korea has shown in like the past several decades, especially for about like a duration of 70 years, the uh, old generations still have Confucianism values like rooted in their uh, minds, while the younger generations are more of like free from the restriction of Confu yeah, Confucianism definitely. philosophies. And I believe like that is the reason why uh, generational gaps and generational conflicts between in Korea is such a huge issue and a more severe issue nowadays overall. And I believe that uh, Confucianism, while it is good as a philosophy, but these parts are very negative for the very development and the future of our society and certainly is an issue that needs addressing, right? So to give some examples about how like Confucianism is backfiring in the modern society is you you guys know the Sunbe Munhwa? Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're we're also in school, so yeah. I we, do have, have a lot to say about this. Because I used to live in the US, I had like no idea what um the Sunbe Munhwa was in Korea. Basically it's like talking to your seniors, um, with okay. Um, it's like having a really rigid hierarchy within the working environment or school or whatever. And the upperclassmen or seniors um, will focus on making their juniors and the, their, like, the younger people miserable. Um, and yeah, things like that just don't really make sense to me because age isn't something that's like a qualification. And I think that's what con that's the effect that Confucianism has had in our society. And um, when do you think, guys? When do you think um, the Confucianism really started to go wrong in our society? When did it start to go like? When did it start to backfire? So you mean historically or yeah. in the twenty first century? Yeah. Historically, okay. So. So here's the point. Well, Confucianism was actually uh, well, Confucian Confucianism, while it was actually in China, didn't have much of a problem. But as it uh, came into the Joseon Dynasty and became its like core philosophy of running the nation, about like the mid uh, mid Joseon Dynasty, uh, like like 200 years, about 200 or years or so after the establishment of the dynasty, that is when like things started to go wrong because there was like incidents such as the queen passed away and there was a very a controversy the most controversial topic at that time because confucianism was so like uh it was so restrictive of like the court and the society the biggest issue at that time controversy of the court was how many years do the people have to wear the uh have to wear white a uh, white clothes of a certain fabric which is like the ceremonial clothes whoops that was the bell guys which is just kind of like the ceremonial clothes you wear when someone dies. Originally in Confucianism, when like a queen or a mother dies, you have to wear for three years. But however, uh, there were like uh, very much controversy whether one party would have to wear it for three years or the other party was like saying, oh, it is it is per perfectly fine to wear it for one year. And that, uh, while it is unbelievable that that could be uh, the high, the like the biggest controversy of that time, um, that that actually was the biggest controversy because they were like so indulged deeply in Confucianism philosophies. And you guys know how in, uh, during history there were conflicts based about Confucianist manners. So you guys know 붕당 정치, right? Right, yeah. of course. The 붕당 politics is like 
it was an era of conflict between two parties that I mentioned before. There were a series of conflicts that happened that, that forever damaged how Confucianism could function in South Korea. So during these Pungdang politics, the politicians in the country were really petty about all of the manners written in the Confucianist, written in Confucianism, and they had many debates and many people were slaughtered because of it. And I think that was when really um, Confucianism started to go south because these people didn't have to be killed because of the manners. I mean, it was all happened because the people were obsessively like talking and debating about manners. And yeah, it was really pointless. Yeah, and every time the king took one, one side, um, the other people in the other would be killed. People in the other would be, you know, tortured and mistreated and stuff like that. And it really wasn't pretty. And it actually happened for quite a long time during the Joseon dynasty, which, you know, actually made the entire country go downhill. I mean, it... I think it. I guess it would be a little harsh to say that all the Confucian and ma Confucianist manners are petty, but in the current society, in the modern society, where um, people value like efficiency and everything, doing everything fast, um, it's really hard to always adhere to the manners, and that's why. And also, um, because modern people learn history and they know what happened in history because of Confucianism, it's hard for them to respect that enough um, as we did before. Um, I actually have a different view from you guys because I do not think that Confucianism got like old since the Joseon dynasty. I actually believe Confucianism, we cannot actually define when Confucianism is getting bad. So, um, for example, say we have a rotten milk or something. We, we don't know when the milk start to go bad, right? So. Um, so the problem about Joseon dynasties is Confucianism is not the Confucianism itself, but right. The, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So you want to talk? No, no, no. So, so it was like the it, it was the problem of the vassals and kings to use it as a political. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Some, um, um, yeah. And actually, it has to be like described as sort of like a Korean branch of Confucianism because Confucianism and like the Joseon dynasty, after like centuries and centuries, it kind of like changed into this like very like weird form of like social restrictions and laws rather than the philosophy it was like tended to originally tended to like uh, strive for. Yeah, it, it kind of like went downhill from that. It didn't just get old, it went kind of like in the wrong direction as like a restrictive law or restrictive yeah, method of politics. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, so it, it didn't get an update for like thousands and thousands of years, so it's just getting old. It's not just the idea is just getting bad. Right, so I guess we should start wrapping up. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a really meaningful talk because we usually don't talk about Confucianism in class. Yeah. Usually don't talk about Confucianism in class. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll... Uh, actually, going back to our roots of our people and our Definitely. like philosophies, and while preparing this episode, a very I learned so much about Confucianism. Yeah, same. I didn't know it had such learned like so a much complex history. Yeah, same. In Korea. I didn't know it had such like a complex history. In yeah, it Korea. was very meaningful for me too, as a history as a history geek. It was very <laughs> meaningful just looking back to history and um, thinking to myself, when did um, Confucianism get bad and when did it tur turned into a political weapon? Okay, so yeah, today it's it for it, it here for today. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm mumbling. I don't today. know why. 
Um, and thank you so much for listening in, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye, guys.